Be Christ's Church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke Podcast. Today, our lead pastor, Daniel Palmer, will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Church, you're doing great. We're going to return to Psalm chapter 31 this morning. Psalm chapter 31 in a message that I'm calling a song of deliverance. Last week I had planned to finish Psalm 31 and while I was preaching it, I sensed in my spirit, the Holy Spirit keeps saying, you're done for today. And so I was like, no, I'm really not. My sermon has three points, not two. And the Holy Spirit just kept saying, you're done for today. So we landed the plane and I discovered there were at least two reasons why God did that. One, God was really working in our service last week and I praise God for that. And two, when I went back and read what I had written down for my last point, it was it was just not great. So reworked it this week and I hope that by God's grace this is going to be uh, beneficial and edifying in your life. Would you bow with me? God, we give you praise for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth and today to do so outside. Lord, it's it's warm, but it is not raining, and your sun is shining. And Christ, we know that you reign today. You reign over all, and that you give light and life uh, to those who are in you. And God, I pray for those who do know you today that we would delight in that, and for, for any who does not know that truth and that reality, God, that today might be the day that they encounter Christ in salvation. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we set the context for Psalm 31, before we dive in at verse 19, I want to remind us a little bit of of what's going on. David is is facing enemy opposition. He's facing enemy attack, enemies who do not want him to live for the Lord or to live by faith in the Lord. He's facing enemies that that lie to him, deceive him, and and even physically threaten him. But he's going to remain faithful even when faced with death. And when we arrive at verse 19, David has placed his life and his times in the Lord's hands. He's seek to resolve, he's resolved to seek the Lord's presence and ask God to handle his enemies. And then in verse 19, the psalm takes a major shift. For 18 verses, he's been pleading with God to deliver him. And then in verse 19, it's it seems as though God has delivered him, that God has heard his prayer, and somehow God has delivered him from the enemy. And and this deliverance leads him to delight in the Lord. I, I love, church family, that with the Lord, it is possible to go from real problems to real praise. Th- this morning, if you are in Christ, if you have turned from your sin and you've trusted in King Jesus as your substitute, you have been delivered And you now live in anticipation of his return, which means that you should be living out what we see in verses 19 through 24. David's deliverance foreshadows the even greater deliverance that's going to come through Jesus who faced your enemies for you, but he never gave in to them so that their their lies and the temptation you face could be conquered and through his resurrection your sins could be forgiven and we could know God's presence and power to obey in the face of enemy attack. Through the the Lord's victorious king, 
the people of God are victorious. When we leave behind trying to find joy and chasing the enemies and instead chase after God's king, that is where we find true peace and joy, even in the middle of the battle, because we do not battle alone. We battle in and with and for our king, and it is there in Christ, the resurrected king, that we know the power of sin has been canceled and the threat of death has been removed, and we are able, we are freed to praise God even in seasons of pain and problems and adversity. So this morning, from Psalm 31, beginning in verse 19, I want to remind us, church, of our response to the Lord's deliverance. We've, we've seen the how the king endures and is victorious, and then we see the response to the victory that he secures, beginning in verse 19. Pastor Daniel. All right. Ooh, that sounds better already. So are you with, whoa, are you with me? You still with me? I hope you heard the intro. Um, it was kind of important to understand the rest of where we're going. King David, he's been attacked. He's been assaulted. He's been tempted to not trust in the Lord. And he says, I'm going to trust in the Lord even if I die. And then somehow between 18 and 19, David has been delivered. It's like he's been raised from the dead almost. Interesting that that would happen. And then King Jesus would come and literally die and conquer death. And because of what Jesus has done, we can have victory through his life and death and resurrection. And so the song, the way it concludes in verse 19 through 24, should really be the song of our life if we've been delivered by the king. So let's read verse 19 and 20 to start. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you've stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. The first point I want you to see, church, is when God delivers you through his king, you will delight in his goodness and enjoy the protection of his presence. You will delight in his goodness and enjoy the presence, the protection of his presence. Do you believe that God is good this morning? David believes that God is good. Though his life has been filled with pain, described in verses 1 through 18, the psalm ends in praise, beginning in verse 19. As great as the threats and the empty promises of his enemies are. They cannot overwhelm the, do you see it in verse 19, the word abundant, the abundant goodness of God toward those who fear him. The enemies of his life, sin and idolatry and unseen forces of darkness, the present world system, his own flesh, the enemies that assault our lives, they don't want us to encounter this abundant goodness that is the Lord's. The enemies in your life want you to want good life on your terms rather than on God's terms. They want you to want the good life on terms that are at odds with the holiness of the Lord. They want us to pull away from the Lord's goodness in all sorts of ways. They will distract us. They'll divert us. They'll deceive us. The last thing that the enemy wants for you is to encounter the life-changing goodness of God. In the very beginning, do you remember what happened? Adam and Eve were there in the garden in the goodness of God and Satan questioned God's word and he questioned God's goodness. And Eve bought the lie that God was withholding the good from her. 
and she was in the garden. How much more do we need to be vigilant and on guard when the enemy comes to us saying that God is withholding his goodness from us when it has been provided to us in Christ? We ought not think too highly of ourselves that the enemy could not deceive us or distract us. The enemies can be, can be convincing to us, but the enemies are liars. The Lord is good. And he's not just a little bit good. His goodness is abundant, verse 19. It's plentiful. Although there are times in our lives where it will seem impossible to see the Lord's goodness, we must not let the lying enemies or challenging circumstances cloud our view of our good God who proved that he is good through the cross and his resurrection. If you are in Christ today and cancer comes to take you out, cancer doesn't win. If you are in Christ today and COVID takes you out, COVID still does not win. If you are in Christ today and your spouse abandons you, you are married to the best husband that anyone could ever have and he will never leave or forsake you. I believe we need to be reminded today of the goodness of God. We, we place so much emphasis in our lives on what is temporary and we neglect what is everlasting. We need to recall that the Lord's goodness is never lacking. While we are spending our lives treasuring treasures on this earth, God, for those who are in Christ, is storing up goodness. Do you see that in verse 19? It's stored up for those who fear him. For those who fear the Lord more than we fear our enemies, financial insecurity or not getting that promotion or whatever it is that you are afraid of that is motivating what you do. For those who fear God above all else, there is goodness from God stored up for you. The goodness of God that is stored up for us is more than just the wonderful things that we will receive in the new heavens and the new earth. It's, it's more than streets of gold and jasper and sapphire and fine emeralds. The goodness is the presence of the Lord himself who the Bible tells us in the second half of verse 19 is working that goodness into us right now. We miss that in the battle, that in the battle, God uses the battle to plumb the channels and the depths of our heart, to open our hearts to see how much more good he is than the world. In verse 19, it says, the Lord works his goodness for those who take refuge, those who seek safety in him. And he adds that it is those who take refuge in him get this, do you see it? In the sight of the children of mankind who find safety. The implications, implication is this, if you're a son or a daughter of God, the sons of the children of mankind will assault you. They will come against you. They will tempt you. They will tell you that you're, that you need what they have. David's faith is not private. It is exercised in a world that is against him. It is those who do not hide their trust in the Lord, verse 19, who are hidden in the Lord's presence, verse 20. Do you see that connection? When you hide in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the sons of men, it is the Lord's presence, verse 20, that will hide you from the plots of men. The Lord is our protector. He is our shield. He is our defender. And he protects and our role is simply to trust, 
So this morning, in your present struggle, in the situation that seems impossible, the Lord is working in you right now channels and vessels where you can trust him more. There's no temptation that you face that Jesus can't conquer. There's no sin you've committed that he can't forgive. There's no disease or disappointment that our good God cannot use to work eternal good for you despite the adversity that you face. If you belong to Christ Jesus, he works all things together for your eternal good. Do you believe that? Romans 8, 28. When we encounter this good God who stores up goodness for those who fear him, we can rejoice in our present trials. When a worldwide pandemic seems to be the least of the problems in our present world, you can still know God's presence. And it is there in the presence of God that we find protection and shelter now as we await the goodness of God that is on the way. This is what the theologians call the already or the now not yet. If you are in Christ, you now know the goodness of his presence, but you do not yet know it in the way that you will know it when he returns. There is a goodness that is stored up that is going to be lavish and wonderful and great, but the goodness that he gives you now is sufficient for your daily need. David goes on to say in verse 19 that the same Lord who stores up goodness for those who trust in him is also storing us up through his protection and his presence. Church, it is in God's presence that we are hidden in plain sight of our enemies. That's the message of verse 20. I think about our missionary in training, Brian Paul Hamus, when he was in Honduras. You likely remember the story. He was sharing the gospel in a home where there were drugs involved. And he was sharing the hope of the gospel. And some of those connected with the cartels came to exact revenge upon that family and Brian was there in that home sharing the gospel and all he knew to do was get under a table and he was trying to hide under a table but he knows that those people saw him or it seems as though they would have had a clear line of sight to see him but somehow in God's mercy either they saw him and recognized that he was an American and didn't want to execute him as they did the rest of the family or maybe like Psalm chapter 31 verse 20 says maybe God literally hid Brian in plain sight of his enemies. God's presence will protect you in the face of temptation. It will protect you in the face of attack. Those who hunger and thirst for the presence of God, though the enemies want to take you out, God will take you to himself and he will keep you to the uttermost. And that leads David to say in verse 21, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. And I said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. You heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Which in these verses, 21 and 22, we simply see that when God delivers us, we recognize the severity of our situation and we recognize, excuse me, we rejoice in his miraculous deliverance. We recognize the severity of our situation and we rejoice in his miraculous deliverance. In verse 19 and 20, David addresses the people of God generally, but in verse 21 and 22, he comes back to his specific battle. Things didn't seem good, death seemed certain, and yet he trusted the Lord. 
He was like a city under siege, surrounded and under attack, verse 21. But somehow, someway, God kept his promise to him and rescued David. And David blesses or praises the Lord, verse 21. Why? Because of his wondrous display of steadfast love. God somehow, wondrously, miraculously kept his covenant when it seemed impossible. He made a promise to David that he would have a king on David's throne forever. And he worked miracles and wonders to make it happen. Just as he delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt with wonders, Exodus 3.20, God intervened to wondrously and miraculously rescue David. Now for a moment, verse 21, David was alarmed, right? In his alarm or his haste or his trouble, it seemed like he had been cut off from the Lord's protective sight. Literally, like God's eye could not see him. Like there was no way for God's eye to get to him. It seemed that his protective care and oversight was no longer with him. But the Lord, who has his eye even on the sparrows, never lost sight of David. He heard David's pleas and his supplications, verse 22. He heard him cry out for deliverance, and he delivered him out of death and into life. Now, now let me ask you, church, what was David's role in this deliverance? Don't miss this. All he did was ask for help. All David did was recognize that he was in trouble and he cried out and God heard him and he rescued him. And, and some of you are facing enemies in a, in a battle for your soul and for your life and for your, your marriage. And God is, is there and he hears. All you need to do is cry out. You know, the gospel is filled with profound truth of how God rescues his people. It is fulfilled. It is filled with so much truth that we will spend eternity plumbing the depths of the mystery and the majesty of the gospel. And, and we do that in this lifetime. We try to understand the gospel more and more that we might know ourselves and apply ourselves to Christ. But I don't want you to miss this point of the gospel. All you need to do is cry out to God for help. Realize that you are hopeless without the Lord and cry out to him. God still hears. God still delivers. The reason that so many people are rejecting the Lord's help and deliverance is because they don't want to admit that they are helpless. We live in a culture, in a society. We live in a bootstrap world. We're going to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps where there's a will, there's a way. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make our lives count. We're so great. We're so wonderful. We're so independent. But when you face eternity in your sin without Christ, you will find that you are utterly helpless. The world says that the Lord helps those who help themselves. But the Bible says the Lord saves those who recognize they are helpless. Maybe you feel helpless today. Maybe you feel hopeless today. I want you to recognize that you are in the best possible position to be wondrously rescued by God. God delivers the helpless and the hopeless when they cry out to him. And this is possible because the Lord delivered David from death. And he delivered David from death because he made a promise that one day he would send a king who would never sin. 
he would come and he would live a perfect life to take the place and the sin of everyone who trusted in him. His name would be Jesus. His name would be salvation. And he would come and be like a besieged city. He would take all the blows that we deserve for our sin and rely upon his heavenly father even when it seemed like he was forsaken. From the cross he would cry out, much like David, not where is your eye, but my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But Jesus knew that he was quoting from Psalm 22 verse 1 and that Psalm 22 would end in victory. He knew that when everything seemed impossible, that even when he get, breathed his last on the cross, that the Lord would give the victory. And on the third day he conquered the grave and emerged to give life and salvation to all who will call upon him. And I'm here to tell you, North Roanoke Baptist Church. When the Lord delivers you from death, your face is going to know something about it. I'm concerned about Christians or people who say they're Christians and you ask them about their Christianity and they're like, well, I go to such and such or I got baptized when I was 10 or I, I sometimes pray or I check all the boxes on my offering envelope. I, I read my Bible and I did this. I did this and I did that. The gospel is not about what you can do. It is about what Christ has done. Now certainly what Christ has done in us will lead us to do something for the Lord. But the first thing we ought to be celebrating and declaring is I was hopeless. I was helpless and God rescued me by sending his king. I should have been besieged. Let's let the airplane pass. Jesus loves you. Church, we should have been the ones on the cross. We should have been besieged. We should be a part of Babylon, which when Christ returns will be sacked and mercilessly judged for every sin. But instead, Jesus came to be attacked and besieged for us so that on the third day, we could be healed and delivered and rescued and have a reason to have confidence and a hope in a world that is otherwise hopeless. So I want to tell you, I want to remind you from the Gospels what it looks like in the life of a Christian to be delivered. Do you remember the Gospel story of a lame man who was suddenly able to walk? If you'd been lame your whole life and God came and gave you legs to walk, would you not want to tell somebody about it? It's like a blind man who was suddenly able to see. Or it's like a woman with a constant flow of blood, an outcast all her life, who was suddenly able, because she was healed by God, to join society. Church, we have a story to tell. We have a story to tell. You say, well, I don't, I don't know how to tell other people this story. I, I got one question for you to write down. I've told it to you before. If you want to have more gospel-centered conversations in your life, in your work, at the gas station, at the grocery store, start asking people this question. Do you mind if I tell you the greatest thing that's ever happened to me? Do you write that down? That's worth writing down. It's simple. It's so simple. You're like, well, of course I could ask that. Not how you doing. Not how about West Virginia. I mean, nobody cares anyway. Do you mind if I tell you the greatest thing that ever happened to me? Watch what happens. 
Watch the gospel conversations you'll begin to have and the opportunities you'll be able to share what God has done. David has a story. He was as good as dead and the Lord has miraculously delivered him. And as we see in the final two verses, the deliverance of David has implications for all of us. Without the deliverance of the king, there would not be a deliverance of God's people, but God came. Praise him. He came and conquered the grave and is now conquering stubborn, stony hearts and turning us into lovers of the Lord, which is where David ends his psalm. A psalm that's been filled with pain and problems and enemy attack and the threat of death ends with verses 22 and 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. The final thing we see in this psalm is when the Lord delivers us, we must love the Lord and be strengthened by his presence as we await his victorious return. We must love the Lord and be strengthened by his presence as we await his victorious return. I love how this psalm concludes. The king has been delivered and now he, sub, he summons his subjects, all of God's people, to love the Lord. All you saints love the Lord. Why should we love him? Because he preserves and keeps those who trust in him. His love is for those who take refuge in him in a world of problems. And his love does not run out and it will never be overcome. And neither should we let anything overcome our love for the Lord who first loved us. But until Christ returns, enemies will test our love. Do we love the Lord as those who are preserved and kept in his presence? Or do we pridefully ignore him? and his commands. Are we running after the empty promises of the enemy or are we resting in the finished work of Christ today? Those who love and are kept through the storm, are we those who love and are kept through the storm or are we those who act in pride and will be repaid with the fiery storm of God's wrath at the return of Christ? Love in verse 23 is a command. It is not a suggestion. You say, well, how can you command someone to love? Well, God has changed my heart into a heart that wants to love. Love is no burden when it comes from a heart that is astounded by the love of a God who delivers. This sort of love overwhelms the totality of our being. Jesus said it this way, do you recall? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind church, the enemy will try to get you to abandon a, a whole life love of the Lord, but Christ came physically to empower you to give to God a whole life, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical love of God. You say, there's sometimes that I feel like I'm under attack in my mind. There's, there's sometimes I feel like I'm under attack spiritually. There's sometimes I feel under attack physically. The strength that you need to love God well in a wicked world is yours in Christ. And where you've failed to love well, Christ offers forgiveness and cleansing through the cross afresh. And he has poured out his Holy Spirit to help us. He sent him as the comforter and the helper to apply who Christ is and his life to your very life right now. And in verse 24, this is why we are commanded to be strong in the Lord, to, to take courage. We need strength in this present world in order to love the Lord more than all the other things we're tempted to love. One day, faith will no longer be necessary. 
One day hope will no longer be necessary and there will only be love. But for now, we wait on the Lord. We wait in hope and in faith and we rely upon the Spirit of God rather than our flesh in order to love God well. This command in verse 24, to be strong, is a command to be strengthened by the Lord. Taking courage in the Lord takes us all the way back to Joshua. Do you remember when Joshua was commanded to to be strong and courageous to go into the land? And, And now David is charging us in the same way. Be strong like Joshua. Wait on God in hope. Remember how God delivered you through Egypt. Remember that he will deliver you again. Remember how God has delivered you in the cross of Christ. Trust that the king is coming again. The enemies, church, are urging us to be impatient. But the Lord's strength comes to those day by day who wait upon the Lord. This morning, if you don't know this victory, and if you don't know this king, I want to invite you, after we partake of the Lord's Supper and sing our last song about the worthiness of God, I want to invite you to come and say to God, I'm, I'm helpless and I'm hopeless And my only hope for my sins to be forgiven and to have real life is that you would forgive me. And for those of you who do know this king, and you might say, I've not loved the the Lord as well as I ought. I've been relying on my own strength rather than being strengthened in the power of the Holy Spirit. I I pray that God would give you the freedom even now to to begin to release those things to the Lord, to, to confess to him your love is not where you'd like it to be. And your reliance upon God is not where you would like it to be. And to say before we partake of the elements of the Lord's Supper, Christ, you gave your all for me. I, I want your power and your strength to give my all for you. So we're going to invite everyone as I close and pray in just a moment and our musicians come, we're going to invite everyone to uh, grab some of the elements if you haven't already. Um, And if you are in Christ, if you have been baptized because you have placed your faith in Jesus and you say Jesus has died for me and in his resurrection he has been raised for me and my new life and walking is in him, if that is your testimony that we'd invite you to join us in partaking of the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to pray, and uh, then we're going to take of the elements together. Would you bow with me? God in heaven, we give you praise for the truth of the gospel that we've considered today, that our king has won, and through the victory of our king, the people are invited to praise and to love and to be strengthened day by day. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work among us today. We pray that you would take the truth of the gospel and that you would, God, even strengthen us now. Give us fresh resolve to honor Christ above all else. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.